All right, Creature Cast fans, just a real quick heads up. Next week, there will not be an episode. We are going to take a one week uh, vacation. So there won't be an episode drop. But when we do come back, it's going to be with Bobby Anthem. And we're going to be covering 1974's It's Alive. So we hope that you'll see fit to join us for that. And we will see you then. Thank you so much for coming over and helping me with this like kind of small disaster that I have on my hands. No problem. I'm always happy to help, but I do see that this is a little bit more than a small disaster. I mean, garden gnomes are creepy as it is. Where did you find an anatomically correct garden gnome? This, my friend, has been with me for years. I got this at Spencer's Gifts in the mall. It was hard to get home, though, because it's huge. Like, it's the biggest garden gnome I've ever found in my life. It's over six <laughs> feet tall. But it's, like, anatomically correct. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. And it gives the birds a place to sit. <laughs> so I can see why the neighbors wanted it moved. It's that bitchy lady next door. I think she's just jealous. But anyway, yeah, so I'm going to move it from the front yard to the backyard. And hopefully that'll shut her up. But it's too heavy to move on my own. Are you okay to give me a hand? Sure. You know, I'll... Why don't we just get a wheelbarrow? Oh, wait, I forgot. We don't have a wheelbarrow anymore. <laughs> we don't. We just have our own manly masculine strength to move this guy. Um, so I figure we just tip it and we'll just kind of like, you know, work our way back if that's okay. Yep, that's fine. Okay, just be careful with his, you know, little member there. I, I'm I'm actually going to lift it from that part. <laughs> <laughs> just don't break it off. <laughs> it's his pride and joy. All right. Are you good? I'm good. Yeah, it, it's a, it's quite heavy. Like, what's it's inside this thing? It's very heavy. It's very heavy. All right, here we go. Don't make me laugh, though, because oh, oh, I don't have, I do not have a hold of this. I don't. <laughs> I'm, oh, it's oh. slipping. Oh. I dropped it. Oh, God, it broke. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? Wait a minute. What's, do you see that inside? What is that? That looks like a big old jewel. It does. Huh. How long has that been in there? That's pretty cool. Yeah, how many years have you had this? I've had this like since the 80s, my friend. This fellow has followed me from house to house. Wow. I did not know that was in there. It's kind of pretty, isn't it? It's all scuffed up, though. Here, yeah. blow on it for me. <sighs> <laughs> I had you blow on it because look, it looks like a little kind of dick and balls inside there. See it? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> got you me. You got me. You fell for it. But I am going to rub it off, though, because it's all dusty here. I'm going to rub it off. Yes, the shit just hit the fan, didn't it? 
Let's get this over with, shall we? Make your wishes. Ah! Watch that crate, that's very expensive. Ah! For centuries, he has remained hidden. Watching. Waiting. And now, he is coming. He knows your secret hopes. He sees your private dreams. And he can grant your every desire. Well, I'm not a <laughs> greedy man. How about a million dollars? I remember a certain potentate whose last party was talked about for centuries. Oh, God, how I'd love to host a party like that. I wish to be beautiful forever. Even if it kills you. As you wish. you Midnight Mass Creature cast fans out there. Uh, judging from that trailer, you have joined us for 1997's Wishmaster. I am Mark, and I am always joined by the ever-awesome... Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> uh, I'm Rob. As, there you go. As always. I was getting scared. I thought, oh my gosh, the gin's back. The jerky gin. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that his cadence was kind of like Cobra Commander from G.I. Joe? <laughs> G.I. Joe. I was very conflicted with G.I. Joe's because I was like, you know, kind of attracted to my G.I. Joe, but I also like was <laughs> repelled by the whole thought of like the army. I'm like, I don't want to go kill anybody, but like the guy's got a beard. <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of weird. Um, oh, man. But, but yeah. So uh, now this was your pick. Was it? See, I can't remember what I picked anymore. Yeah, no, my Wishmaster was your gone. pick. Yeah, yeah, your pick for sure, my friend. Okay. Um, because I think we both, if I'm not mistaken, we both own the Vestron video. Like there's all four films in one like fell yes, swoop. Yes, yeah. So we, there's no uh, discrepancies because we both own the same Blu-ray. Right, exactly. Right, yes. One of us did not watch a different altered version at all on this one. <laughs> That's right. Yes, yes. Um, now, uh, the director's Robert Kurtzman. And as far as his actual directing output, I'm not really familiar with anything else this gentleman has done. Yeah, same here. I don't know. Um, but now as far as the producer of the film, that's Wes Craven. Yeah. And yeah, he produced, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors from 87. Uh, he produced Feast from 2005. Uh, he also produced the remake of his film, Last House on the Left, which came out in 2009. So those are some pro producer credits that he has. I didn't get into his director credits, but Mr. Craven has done lots of things horror wise. And those are some films that he's produced. Um, I wonder if his involvement with this kind of helped pull in some of the bigger names that are involved in the film. I would think so. Like, because definitely Robert Englund, you know, being mm -hmm. that Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because this has a lot, a lot of uh, people heavily involved in the horror 
genre involved in it yeah. on the other side of the camera. Um, you mentioned Robert England from, you know, he played, of course, Fred Krueger from the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Um, and then we also have the narration of the film is done by Angus Scrim. Right. And I fan- didn't know that until I watched the DVD last night and I saw his name and I'm like, ooh, so that's who did it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's from the Phantasm franchise, which started in the 79. Um, now, I'm a big Phantasm fan. Are you? Do you like Phantasm? I love it. Okay. Yeah, I love I love the first one, especially I love Phantasm so much. Then we also have in a kind of a smaller role, but we have Ted Raimi. Um, he was an intruder from 89 and then he's been kind of involved with every uh, evil dead uh, film in the franchise from 81 onward, more or less. Um, we have Tony Todd later in the film. He's Candyman, of course, from 92 and all the franchise ones from there. Um, we have the hunky Kane Hodder. Um, <laughs> he played Jason Voorhees uh, in Friday 13th, The New Blood and Onward. Um, and he's also been in Hatchet, those films. Um, and then in a kind of a brief, brief in front of the camera role, we had uh, uh, Tom Savini. Um, and he's done tons of things, but he was, uh, I guess, most most recognizable to me as in front of in, as far as in front of the camera goes uh, is his uh, uh, head explosion scene from Maniac in 1980. Really? Um, See, I remember uh, Tom Savini most as Sex Machine in From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just remember that really impressive kill from Maniac. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So that so those are the big names in front of the camera. Um, now, I was talking, uh, like, before we start recording with Rob, a lot of the uh, thespians involved in the actual main characters, they, I don't really recognize them from a lot of things. So I was just kind of going to go through them really quick. Our main protagonist is Alexandra or Alex. Uh, that's Tammy Lauren. I was not familiar with anything else that she had really done. Um, I think I've seen her a- on like some uh, uh, genre TV series before. Oh, but yes. Yeah. I but no really films. Sure. Yeah. 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 There were no films. But yeah, she did do like one one episode of this or that. But yeah, as far as movies, there was no movies I could really recommend from this actress. Um, her sister, Shannon, is played by Wendy Benson Landis or Lands, um, L-A-N-D-E-S. She did one episode of The X-Files in 96, and then she was in the movie Burlesque with uh, Christina Aguilera and Cher, um, <laughs> which I, I did see that, so I put that out there. Um, and then um, there's another gentleman named Nick. The uh, uh, They all work at a auction house, and he's the owner, and that's Chris Lemon, or Lemon. I don't know. There's two M's in there. Um, he was in Airport 77, which came out in 1977. Uh, he was also in Just Before Dawn, one of those uh, forced horror slasher films from 81. Um, and then Josh, her kind of not really love interest, but he wants to take it further, but she doesn't want to. He's also a lab technician in the film. Um, he was uh, in War of the Roses from 89 with uh, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. Oh, geez. No, I did yes. see that. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, I knew you did because you've referenced that a couple of times. So I thought I'd put that in there for you. Um, and it's a fun movie. I, I I recommend it. It's not horror at all, but it's a fun movie. Yeah. Um, and then our Jin, our evil genie, or uh, uh, Nathaniel Demarest, as he goes by sometimes in the film, is Andrew uh, Divoff, D-I-V-O-F-F. Um, he was in Neon Maniacs, which I love, from 86. Uh, he was also in Graveyard Shift from 90. He played Danson in that one. He was an extra three, Watch the Skies, from 95. And he did reprise his role in Wishmaster 2, Evil Never Dies, from 99. 
Um, and that's really what I have as far as like other films you might want to check out from people in the, in the, the movie that yeah. we're be watching. Yeah. I did not do a big deep dive in like the main actors, like Angus Scrim, Robert England, all those people. Cause they're so very well known that, you know, if you just had to do a real quick search on IMDb or a Google search, it's going to pull up way more films that they have. I just didn't want this to <laughs> verge into the two or three hour long podcast that it doesn't really need to be. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure if you're a horror fan, you definitely know those names anyway. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So now as far as uh wishmaster goes, the main premise is our uh, Jin is an evil genie, basically more or less um, that wants to entrap a person into wishing for three things and uh that with uh uh the gin collecting a, a series of souls will help that gin actually uh take over uh the earth for his uh race of of other gins to come into being mm -hmm. and uh make mankind kind of obsolete so that's what the premise of our film is so and we're kind of going to go from there but yeah um, are you good so far? Oh yeah. I'm right there. All right. Jump in. If you, if you need to, uh, you know, to say anything, um, our film opens, we see that there's this, uh, it's basically a fire opal that's been created to en encapsulate, to keep our uh, genie, ca uh, a captive, uh, uh, to keep him from uh, breaking free and causing more harm, mm -hmm. uh, for upcoming generations of humans. Um, and, uh, there's I think the film's full of some pretty cool practical effects. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say there weren't a whole lot of um CGI for 1997. But yeah, there, no, was, there was quite a few, a bit yeah. Of yeah. practical effects. Yeah, the practical effects were really very impressive, I think. Um you could tell money was poured into this one. Mhm. Mm yeah, this it definitely some money not a low it. budget. No, not at all, not at all. Um and then uh so it's uh, 1127 AD. There's all chaos break, breaking uh, loose and everything. Um, there's some cool scenes in here. There's like the uh, where the skeleton erupts from the one guy. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Um, what about when that guy gets becomes part of the wall? Did you think of like Han Solo and Carbonite? Yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, and then there was the cool snake got transformation scene. I thought that was pretty nifty. Yeah, that was some good makeup right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought so, too. Uh, but now we are in present day and we have uh, Dr. Beaumont, who's played by uh, Robert England, and he's having the uh, statue of a uh, pre-Islamic god brought over to the States. Uh, and the crate that's actually carrying the statue, um, <laughs> uh, it's it's being... Uh, the, the worker moving is a little inebriated. He's not doing a very good job and actually falls and kills Ted Raimi. <laughs> yeah. And isn't it like he just fills the trope of like the really annoying assistant? Oh, yes, very much so. Ted Raimi's very good at that uh, <laughs> that role. He does that quite a bit in, in films throughout the ages he's he's been in. Um, but then that stone has actually been encased in the statue. When it falls and breaks, the statue is also busted and it reveals that opal stone and uh, the hot uh, worker <laughs> steals it. Uh, I would I would cut his hair, but he does have a beard, so he kind of falls into my category of things of men I would uh, find find attractive. Gotcha. Um, 
And yeah, that falls so. into the category of like man's greed dooming us all because he's like, ooh, a shiny object. And like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's this. like, I'll take this real quick. Yeah. Um, and so Alex works for Regal Auctioneers and is a company that uh, specializes in, in rare artifacts and things like that. Um, and then we also meet uh, Nick, her coworker that we uh, later find out is a uh, former flame, but they still work together well. She just doesn't want to have anything to do with him romantically anymore. And her sister, Shannon, also works there. Um, and this is where the pawn worker comes in with the stone. And he, you know, explains kind of like how he got this through the gentleman that worked on the pier at the dock. Uh, he turned it in. And he wanted to know if it was worth any money or anything like that. So that's how the auction house actually comes into uh, owning the stone that was actually stolen earlier in the film. Oh, yeah. And he asks... Um... The guy who suspiciously looks like um, the son of Desi Arnaz or like maybe somebody from Fantasy Island. Oh, Desi Arnaz <laughs> Jr.? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yeah. Um, he he asked the provenance of the stone. And the guy's like, I, I got it from somebody who says uh, his grandmother had it, you know? Right, just, right. And then so now I don't know about you, but the, we actually get to meet Alex. She's playing tennis with uh, with Josh. Mm -hmm. Um. Does she remind you of Linda, Linda Hamilton? From she does. And I was okay. thinking like Terminator the entire way. I was like, yeah, she very much has that Linda Hamilton vibe to yeah, her. I thought she's definitely got that. Yeah. So, um, and then Josh kind of wants to move their friendship more than, more than just platonic. Mm -hmm. um, but she's not having that. So clearly she's a lesbian or she's frigid. <laughs> um, but they are coworkers and she's just, Kind of wants to play it cool and everything. Um, now, are you clear on why the gin actually links with her? Um, <clears throat> okay, so we get that scene where she's uh, she's examining the crystal and mm -hmm. she blows on it. But not only does she blow on it, she also kind of rubs it against her um, shirt or sweater or whatever the hell that was. Okay, um, so, that's so that's I'm thinking like that's how he that's how he awakened maybe because like okay. she she touched it and she like blew air into it other than that i don't know like how they had a connection okay all right because that's what I, I i just put that 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 down too that like her appraisal of it awoke the gin but i mm. i kind of find it hard to believe that like the guy that stole it didn't do any of those things or the guy at the pawn shop didn't do any of those things right like wouldn't they you know, if there if there was a smudge on it or something, would they right, like, try exactly. to rub it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, but we're going to go with that. Okay. Um, so you know, we now this movie does have a couple of jump scares. You know, it's got legit scares in it, but it does have plenty of jump scares. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's peppered throughout. But yeah, so so I'll I'll go with that too. Yeah. So so she's now connected with the gin inside the little stone. Uh, and then we also, this kind of comes into play. We get that she's also a coach of a basketball team and she really kind of instills in the girls on her team that they need to practice mental stillness mm -hmm. and that to overcome comes the into other play later. <laughs> yeah. To overcome the other, the other, the other girls on the other team, they need to focus that mental stillness. Well, so now Josh works in the lab for the, uh, the auction house. And he's like a geophysicist, I guess. And he's got his little laser scan and the laser scan actually releases the, the uh, 
gin from the gemstone by slicing it or breaking it into four equal quarters, basically. Yeah, and I was still trying to figure out how that happened. Like, was it was it the laser or like, did the laser kind of give the gin its power to bust free of the stone? Like, th- there's a lot of stuff that's not explained in here. Yeah, you just kind of go with the flow, I think, of it. Yeah. You don't really ask too many questions. But anyway, so this also, um, you get this, the, the gin is released, but it's almost like a weird kind of funky, like, babyish, yeah. embryonic, weird looking thing. It's very Cronenberg-y to me, too. Didn't it's all you gooey also, and, yeah, did you also think of like the, the alien from Mars Attacks a little bit? Oh, with the bigger, like the like larger the, cranium. Yeah, like the brain. Uh, yeah, yeah, I could there. see that. Yes, I could see that. Yes. So, uh, and now also, Josh is not in good shape when this all transpires either. No, he's basically dying in, in a yeah, lot of pain. Yeah, he's not good at all. Yeah. Poor Josh. Um, now, had Josh had a beard, he would have been a <laughs> he would have been a keeper, but he wasn't quite up to par with the the, the appear work go. guy. Yeah. Now there's a scene after this where the one guy makes the comment, could you help an old altar boy out? Oh, I do remember that. That's like from the exorcist. It is. Yeah. Okay. And I, later on there's the statue of Pazuzu. So I'm like, that's kind of cool that they're referencing other horror movies in this. I thought was pretty interesting. Oh, I did see that, that, that was a, a nod to the exorcist. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty awesome. But anyway, so um, we get the pharmacist, who's also um, Reggie from Phantasm, the actor. Um, and he's fighting with the bum, who's from The Fog, the actor from The Fog. I, I forgot to totally look up both of these gentlemen. Um, but they're kind of having that little tussle outside. Oh, and, and he's... Bu- what? Okay, he says something that's so damn funny to me. He was like, you... You afterbirth of a something or other. Yeah. It was just like that insult was like the best insult I've heard in my life, I think. Right, right. Yeah, I did not write any of that down. Yeah, I wish I had written it down. (laughs) But yeah, but they had their little insults and everything. Well, the the gin is kind of hiding in the alleyway off to the side. And uh, he overhears this. So he kind of gives the the bum like, you know, what what do you wish for? And that's where... (laughs) uh, Reggie's face basically just like melts and everything. Oh, instant um, cancer, man. Instant. It, yeah, that's what he wished for. He wished him instant cancer. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty uh, horrifying, I thought. Um, and so that's where, you know, the, the gin has been released. He's full size now and he's out there granting wishes uh, to people in the real world. Um, so it's it's uh, not not going to go well. And it's already already uh, the effects are being seen in in the. Uh, I don't want to say the real world again, but you know, out yeah. there. In, well, Alex in is uh, humanity. Yeah. Alex is having like uh, little flashes. Oh yeah. Um, she's clearly connected with what's going on. Yeah. She's clearly connected. Yes. Um, and then, so Shannon is comforting Alex as she's getting all these like little like flashes and things. And she's also like, alluding to Alex has had problems before. Cause she's like, you know, do I need to call Dr. Mont- Monti- Montiglio-, Montiglio again? 
um, like last time. And then she kind of alludes that their parents died in a fire mm-hmm. um, and that she had to have therapy to deal with her nightmares and things like that. So we're already being privy to maybe Alex isn't the most stable of all of our um, protagonists to be following through this journey. That's kind of a running theme lately where we're coming across a lot of unstable women folk, you know? Yeah, right, right. Um, well, and I think that was a trope in a lot of horror movies, you know, Yeah. earlier on. Yeah. So we get that uh, she's at the tennis court. She gets that freak out because the creepy guy is next to her. And then it's just a fake out. Oh, right. He's like, I can smell your fear. <laughs> Which is altogether, we, it reminds me of like that scene in um silence of the lambs where he's like i can smell your vagina or something like that oh <laughs> right <laughs> right right um but it's also to me it reminded me a lot of a a fred krugerism yeah that too. like yeah. like the early one mm-hmm. the first one yeah before yeah um and then so now she's on the pier and she's trying to find the uh mr uh Edginson, who's the cute guy from the pawn stop to figure out, you know, if he took the piece and where he found it and everything. Uh, and so he fesses up to what he actually did and everything. So now she's at the school of medicine and she's talking to Dr. Mo- Beaumont and he confesses that he actually has a professor that he would like her to meet to maybe help her out with some of her questions that she actually has about mm-hmm. the gin. Interspersed with this is the scene um, where you get the, it looks like carrot top for all intents and purposes. Oh uh, yeah. The, the med student or whatever. Yes. Right, 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 right. Um, now the professor, the female professor, did she not remind you of, of uh, Shirley MacLaine, the actress Shirley MacLaine, if you know who that is. Yeah. I was thinking, <coughs> excuse me. I was thinking more along the lines of why am I forgetting her name? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, it escapes me. So I don't know. But if. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't think. Oh, now. sorry. Okay. Yes. To me, she was like they wanted Shirley MacLaine the worst way. And this is who they they actually settled for. Um, but so the. Uh, the. The gin does that thing where he actually the. He asked the the uh, carrot top if he wishes he hadn't seen what he had seen because <laughs> yeah. he's actually taking the face off of a corpse. And the guy's like, yes. And so he's, you know, he makes his eyes disappear and everything. Yeah. See, and then when this happens, Alex is with uh, Dr. Beaumont, Robert England, and she like starts flipping out of his place. Mm-hmm. Um, and he mentions he's having a party, which I'm like, I would not invite this person to my party. She seems like she'd just be troubled. But yeah, I would not her there. I wouldn't bring her to my party. No, that's right. Um, and the professor is actually the professor of folklore. Um, and they, they're staging an outside play and she's actually working in unison with another professor there. Um, and they're, she's talking about the stone of the secret fire. Um, and she starts filling in on what a genie, uh, what a gin is. It's not really a genie and everything. And, 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 you know, the way to overcome it is you've got to face your own fear and things like that. Which is surprisingly like Nightmare on Elm Street. It, uh, th- there's a lot of correlation, I think, between this and Nightmare on Elm Street, to be honest with you. I feel that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Uh, I don't know how you feel, but uh, to me, there's a lot of like parallels you could write. I do. And I think at one time I was reading or watching an interview where they said Wes Craven was trying to kind of bring back the the Freddy Krueger type, but in a different format. And maybe that's where Wishmaster came from. Wasn't he kind of doing that with Shocker as well? Really? I you remember Shocker? Yeah. Shocker. Yeah. Was... He was trying to do that as well with Shocker too, he said. Huh. Okay, yeah. so maybe Shocker yeah. was like a big time failure. So he was like, oh, let me try something else. Yeah, was Shocker, what year was Shocker? Do you remember? That must Let's have see. been mid 80s, I'd say. I can't really remember. 89. Oh, 89, okay. Yeah, 89. Um, but yeah, so anyway, yeah, not to get off track. So um, now we have uh, Nathaniel Demarest uh, or the gin, like with human skin on yeah um, human face to me he reminded me of dietrich bader so if i was going to recast this it would be dietrich bader um okay. <laughs> anyway so he's at the department store and he's flirting with uh, ariella um and he kind of asked what you know he, he's commenting on her beauty and how beauty doesn't last forever it eventually fades and he kind of pricks her into wishing to be young and beautiful which of course just turns her into a mannequin <laughs> what I'm sorry, but that beauty is not going to last forever either because eventually that mannequin is going to decay. Yeah, you'll chip and the paint will come off of it. But yeah, yeah so yeah. Uh, so you get that another jump scare because they're out uh, back with the professor and she's and Alex and they're talking about the folklore and everything. And you get the lady that just runs up you know, behind Alex and scares her with the mask. Going oh, to know yeah. If it would that, work for the play. That student. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, and then uh, the professors, you know, giving more exposition, saying that there were angels and they were humans and they were jinn. It's just like another like species. Um, and they wanted the world for themselves, basically. Um, and they're an inhuman race of beings that their goal is to uh, usurp the power away from everyone else. And they want to take over the world. Mm. Which, what would they do if they took over the world? Would there be other people they could trick into making wishes or would it just be all them? And they'd be like, well, now we have nothing to do because there's no one left to make wishes. Right. I was thinking of that, too. I'm like, if they if he does bring his race into the world and they make it some giant hellscape and enslave all the humans, then who's going to grant wishes <laughs> to give them power for their. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. I don't know how they would do. I don't know. I was just curious. Yeah. So now. um Demarest is on a search to actually locate Alex, um, which apparently he actually needs humans to help him do that. So he's gone to the police station um, where Detective Nathanson, um, who was like earlier with the death of Josh, he was there on site investigating that, trying to figure out what happened. Um, so Demarest is at the police station trying to get information from the detective as to where he could find Alex. Well, the detective's not just going to give that information out to anybody. Um, even if you do look like Dietrich Bader. Um, <laughs> of so he's talking about, there's another gentleman there and he's talking about how this guy has, he knows that he's done all these other crimes, but he just can't get him red handed, you know? Mm -hmm. now, Isn't that odd that, uh, so an officer would just divulge that information to somebody who just walked into the police station. Yeah, okay. But now, okay. Yes, I agree with you on that. So the criminal reminded me a whole lot of the Alice Cooper character from Prince of Darkness. Oh, you're right. 
okay. Cause I'm like, is that purposeful or is that just me reading into that? Cause he really looked a whole lot like the Alice Cooper character for Prince of Darkness to yeah. me. Now that you mention it, cause I hadn't even thought of that, but he does. Yeah. So all of a sudden the guy freaks out. He just opens fire on everyone in the, um, in the, uh, uh, police station, uh, which of course gives the detective all the ammo he needs right there to <laughs> make the arrest. Uh, there's a lot, there's that really gory scene where the, the guy's bottom jaw gets ripped off. Oh yeah. Um, there is some really good, like, Gore moments in this thing. Like I said, it's, I, I think it's got very good practical effects. Um, but so this allows him to steal Alex's business card. Right. And how, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm trying to logic my way through this, but it's just like, okay, so her business card would just be on the detective's desk like that, you know? I, I'm assuming it's because he had it from when he went to the auction house. Maybe, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Because it would be part of the investigation to get to the auction house. That's what I'm thinking. Anyway, okay. So now um we get a little bit of exposition from the gin about human soul. He needs to gather the human souls and he actually needs Alex's soul to like complete the whole process. <laughs> Gotta as catch to why he's all. doing this. Gotta catch them all. Exactly. <laughs> and now okay, so Okay, let me just do this. So, okay, so we get Hot Cop Hotter, and he's at the auction house, and the gin wants to get in, but, you know, um, Kane is like, you're going to have to go through me to get in, and that's not likely going to happen. So I'm down for every effect in this movie for the most part, except for this one. This one looked so cheesy to me. Yeah, it didn't really make much sense. I would have much rather have seen, like, the gin disappearing going inside of Kane Hodder's body and then yeah like rip through, through him. him or something yeah. yeah but he just becomes this like really fake like almost like stained glass thing and just like shards of him flies around he yeah. goes through him that way yeah and that was a CGI effect that wasn't practical and I just did not I'm like oh of all the things you could have done um, that's right. not the one I wanted to see like I um, would have made it a Mortal Kombat fatality where like Shang Tsung you know becomes a green mist and goes inside of the body of the other and then bursts through the body. Like I, I would have totally done. Yeah. That I just thought it almost seemed like an afterthought, like, Oh, we've run out of like cash. We got to just hire to do something really quick. With this one. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and make it, make it witty that uh, the gin actually goes through him, you know, literally. Yeah. I just, on that, that one, I thought they kind of dropped the ball. Yeah. I agree. Doesn't, doesn't like bring the movie down, but I just thought, Oh, I, they could have done so much more with that one. But anyway, so the gin's gotten through, he's in Nick's office. Um, he's desperately wanting Alex's home address. He's trying to sweet talk Nick. Who's the owner of the auction house and her former <laughs> love interest, but Nick's not really having any part of it. Uh, but he does kind of go Nick into making a wish. And he turns that one little statue thing into like gold. And like, suddenly Nick's like got dollar signs. Yeah. Um, and so obviously Nick can be bought. Um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> so he, he actually, and then you flash to that scene of his mom, making him the beneficiary. And then her oh, flight blows up. <laughs> shit. Yeah. He was like, what would it take? I want a million dollars. And then he's like, magically, here's a million dollars. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was very man. weird. Yeah, just like very mess, weird. Totally mess up. Like, 
Don't wish for anything, kids. No, it's very monkey's paw. Yeah. Um, if anyone's familiar with that one. Um, so now we're at the basketball game again, and we've got Alex and Sis, you know, uh, at the practice, and they're still talking about stillness works. Uh, and she keeps trying to call Professor, uh, I think it's Derlich, I believe. I forgot. I haven't said that earlier. Professor Derlich, the one she's been talking about, you know, getting answers from. Um, but there's no answer with the phone. Um, but then we see in the bleachers that the gin, um, Demhurst, is actually there and he has to borrow the sister's phone. So basically what he does is he makes like, what was it, uh, Star 69, where you call back to figure out where she was calling um, to get, I guess, to figure out where that person was. Oh, see, uh, I was trying to figure out what he was doing with her phone. Yeah. And then he like locks eyes with Alex out there on the court and then he just is gone. Yeah. So no. the next scene, we've got the Demhurst is actually in the professor's apartment making a phone call. And I didn't realize that that was, oh, wait, wrong professor, right? Or no, wait, it he's was. Not Dr. Okay. Beaumont. Yes. Yeah. He's not with Dr. Beaumont. He's in the Professor Durlick's apartment. Okay. And now the see, female. I, now with, I'm going to do a quick recasting couch here. I was thinking of D Wallace. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you know who Shirley MacLaine is? Yes, I do. Okay. 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 Yeah. To me, she's just a dead ringer for Shirley MacLaine. But this type of movie, it would be Dee Wallace, if that makes sense, because <laughs> she's like the horror queen. Horror queen. Right. H-O-R-R-O-R, because I love Dee Wallace. Um, so uh, the detective actually, or well, the detective calls Alex. Um, then oh, Alex, yes. like, by getting the phone call, she, like, starts to freak out because she's seeing, like, all of the gin's victims. She sees like the bum close up. She sees carrot top. She sees Nick. She sees the mannequin. <laughs> um, and then we see Alex just prone on the floor. Yeah. Uh, and Jim okay, yeah. was like, he's like, I'm, I'm claiming what's mine. And, and then the, the uh, crystal or whatever the hell it was kind of gathers the souls of all the people that have made wishes previously. Yeah. So now Alex is with the professor and I'm doing little air quotes. The professor um, and Marianne. Right. Yeah. If only Donna Wells was there, that'd be amazing. <laughs> um, but she, the professor is acting very odd. Um, and she mentions, like, she lets it drop that Alex's boss, you know, had told her some things, but like Alex is like, I never told you about that. So she's kind of like not being very good at this whole game yeah. as far as keeping her identity secret. Um and she's really trying very difficult to set Alex up to make a wish. Like, are you hungry? Are you too, is the temperature okay? Are you too cold? <laughs> are you too hot? You know, and she's getting very handsy. Like she keeps, you know, like trying to touch her hand and everything. Yeah. Um, and then we get the reveal that the professor's actually dead in her bedroom. Right. And, uh, I don't think Alex actually witnesses the dead professor, but. No, she sees the corpse on the bed. Oh, she did? Okay. Yeah. I, I was wondering if they just flashed to it and. Uh, oh, no, I, I'm pretty sure she, I'm pretty sure because she knows because okay. then he just turns into the gin, and he's trying to get her to make the three wishes. Yeah, make your wishes, sir. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then she just wishes him to blow his brains out. That's the first one, but he cannot die. But it did hurt like heck, he wants to point out. <laughs> Uh, which was totally Chucky. 
you know. Yeah, yeah. Now that I this movie is not free from those uh mandatory tropes of the witty one-liners. Yeah. Yeah, which I am not a fan of. Um at all. <laughs> I don't like them in these kinds of films. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger did them. They just got very old and tired to me. Uh, I just was not a fan. Uh, anyway, but this movie does have its share of those two. Um, and then, you know, Alex is like, you always want to know your opponent. Uh, and then, you know, you know, she wants to know what he is. And so she kind of gets trapped in his like, what would you call it? Like, he puts her inside of the crystal, doesn't he? Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. For me, it was almost like an, I don't know if you ever watched I dream of Jeannie, but would she be like inside of her bottle? <laughs> so oh, it's like, yeah, inside of, yeah. Yeah. But like inside of where he lives. A or more whatever. twisted version of uh, the domain of a genie. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of felt almost like some of it was like kind of Hellraiser. Yes. I was um, going to ask you, like, did you make that connection where you see the guy with his uh, flesh being stripped off from yeah, his chest? Yeah. And, uh, and then there's that weird creature thing that's that attacking like, her. Yeah, and it looked like pumpkin, pumpkin head. head. Yes, very pumpkin heady. Yeah, nice. which I loved all of this stuff. I loved all this stuff, except inside the 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 gem. That's some of the really bad CGI that didn't work for me. Right. Yeah. That. Was yeah. Yeah. A little weird. Very dated. Very dated. Um. But again, it doesn't detract from the movie. It's just yeah, that was dated CGI. Um. But she's trapped in here, and then of course you know the gin is now kind of pointing out that, Hey, your sister Shannon's all alone now. Cause you're trapped in here. <laughs> um, it's like, why don't that, you just wish yourself out of here? Exactly. Exactly. Or just wish for your sister dead. <laughs> well, that's one way to, uh, speed him to the punch. <laughs> yeah. I wish Shannon would explode from the inside out. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, but now, um, and then her second wish, now she's back in the apartment with the gin. And Shannon went to the party. Um, and now uh, Alex and the gin are totally connected. Yep. And he tells her that, too. He's like, no matter where you go, you can't get away from me. Exactly. And then what the next thing she was, uh, wasn't she pooping, right? <laughs> and he had to watch her poop. He knocked. Um, he tapped on the stall door. <laughs> Right. Excuse me. Are you ready to make your next wish? Uh, but no, she's actually in the car and that's where he pops up. He's like, are you going my way? Uh, <laughs> Which is a she, very cheesy one liner right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, really, to me, the majority of the rest of this film almost takes place at the party for the most part. Right. Because we see like it, it's a throwback to the beginning of the movie where the Sultan or what, whoever that yes, was. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 He was like, amaze me, Jin, and make things happen. And he's like, holy shit, this isn't what I wished for. Mm -hmm, exactly. So they arrive at Beaumont's party. Now the Jin is taken on his uh, uh, human form again. He's back to his dem was it Demarest, Demarest form. Um, and she just, you know, gets go right on in because she's invited. She's on the list. Uh, but uh, Demarest is not. So he's got to face off with the bouncer who is played by Tony Todd from all the Candy Man films. I actually love Tony Todd. That voice of his. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Holy cow. I, that voice. I I could listen to him like, you know, read anything. I just, just amazing voice. I would love to hear him do audiobooks. Oh, yeah. Like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Maybe not One. Dr. Seuss. Maybe read Stephen King or something. One fish. Two fish, <laughs> red fish, blue fish, 
Anyway, uh, I can't read much more. It would be in like infringement copyright laws. Um, so he's not on the invite list. And, you know, he's going to have to face off with Johnny Valentine's a doorman. He's going to have to face off with him, with him, uh, which actually just ends up with poor uh, Tony Todd in like a Houdini kind of setup. <laughs> Which is encased in glass and chained up. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to escape? That's oddly specific, you know? Right. Right. Um, I do love that the party's so swanky and Alex looks like she's just kind of rolled out of bed (laughs) or maybe went to a Nirvana party or uh, concert, you know? Yeah. I think she went to a Nirvana concert. Yeah. Just all flannelly and everything. Anyway, uh, Shannon will not leave this party. She's not, she's not about to leave this party. This has been the highlight clearly of her year. And she's not about to go with her sister. Who's trying desperately to make her leave. <laughs> um, so you've got the, the scene with Beaumont, you know, uh, Robert England and the gin. This is where he's really starting to become very Jim Carrey to me. Oh yeah. I, Okay, I can understand that because I think they were getting I call it the uh the Freddy Krueger principle where, you know, the first two Nightmare on Elm Streets were pretty scary and Freddy didn't do those one-liners, but then it was like let's do a comedic kind of uh killer that kills you in your dreams and it, are we on the same page or am I talking about Yeah, there, yeah, no, different? you're fine. There's just something about his delivery. I'm like, now you're channeling your inner Jim uh Jim Carrey to me. There's just, I don't know something about his delivery. I'm like, Oh, you're getting really Jim Carrey here to me, sir. Um, Jim Carrey in the mask. Uh, just Jim Carrey. There's something about his delivery. It was just, yeah, just something about, yeah, I smoking. Yeah. Something maybe, maybe Jim Carrey in the mask. I don't know. Um, but he, you know, he talks about like a potentate party and he wants a party that's going to go down in history. And that's where like all Hades breaks loose. Yep. Um, now, I will say this. There are some great gore effects going on during this oh, whole party seriously, scene. Seriously, yeah. This was like the it, this was like the party the party the whole entire party in Dead Alive where like everything just went down and it was mm-hmm. basically a yeah. bloodbath. Right. Um now th- I like the piano wire versus the bear scene. That I, was great. I like the piano wire decapitation. I think we're talking about the same one. Oh, I didn't see a bear. You did. <laughs> I met a big hairy guy oh. with a beard. <laughs> Here's me taking things too literal once again. <laughs> yeah. Now, really quick. Okay, so do you remember the scene where the guy burst into flames? Yes. Okay, did you pay attention where he's on fire and he runs past, there's two guys on the side. And he sets those other guys on fire, correct? He sets one of them on fire, but I don't think he was supposed to because the other guy pushes the other guy to the floor really fast. I think the other guy helped put the other guy out. Oh, see, I didn't notice. I just thought it was kind of chaos. And he was like, (coughs) go go back and watch it, Rob, because the look on especially the one guy's face is like, oh, shit. Like, I think it was not supposed to work out the way it did. Go back and look, because I really do think. Because the other guy just like pushes the guy to the floor really fast. I think he was not supposed to hit the one guy and set the other guy arm on fire like that. Okay, yeah, I'll check that. Yeah, out. go back and look. But yeah, um, and she's still like searching for Shannon, and but she will not waste a wish on this stuff. No, nope. because she's like, if I do, it's just it's, it's it's I'm saving like one person to save like I'm wasting this wish to save one person. I'm gonna doom everybody. And he's getting really pushy with his wishes. 
mm-hmm. which Rob helped me out. What other movie did we just watch that was like that? Oh, and they were like, if I do this, I'm only going to save like a couple of people. I'm going to doom everybody to do this. What movie did we just watch that was like that? Do you remember? It's going to drive me crazy, Rob. Oh, man. See, now I'm trying to remember. Uh, so- do you remember it? Do you remember what I'm talking about, though? We uh, just watched a movie like that in the same premise. He's like, if I do this, though, I'm dooming everyone. Oh, shoot. Okay, oh, I'm going to keep talking. This is killing me. <laughs> and maybe it'll come to me. Yeah, because my brain is not working. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't one of the more recent ones, was it? It was pretty close. It was pretty close to something we just, anyway, it, maybe it'll come to me. But yeah, there's another one that we just watched like this. And he's like, no, if I do this, it's going to doom everyone else. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow through with that. Anyway, whatever. Okay. Um, and everyone else out there is screaming at us. It's like, it's blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um, now that we got all the statues that come alive, which I thought was a really cool effect. I like that a lot. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. And then we get the uh, Robert England jump scare. Um <laughs> And this is where he spits up that really gross, squirmy creature, which reminded me a lot of Poltergeist 2. Yes. See, I was going to bring that up, but you got to it first. <laughs> and then they cut it with that 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 uh, shard of a yarn, an urn, not yarn, urn, the urn shard. They cut it. Yes. Oh. What about that? Um, that thing? Okay, the the dead body was hanging upside down, and there was like tendrils coming out of its neck um and she's just kind of standing there looking at it while the genie is chasing her oh yeah 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 and i was like what was the purpose for that scene just like just to have some extra gore go on there yeah and then there's the uh the whole role of the deadly statues and the security guards they like just totally lose the fight and the one's got like the mace face with the little (laughs) gets hit with the mace um Oh, and then the painting with the Jack the Ripper painting that just kind of like comes alive and kills the detective. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool because they made Jack the Ripper look like Austin Powers. In a way. It was very odd. Yeah, very odd. Um, actually, there's a see. It, I think that was a callback to another movie, but I can't remember which version it was where Jack the Ripper or I don't know if it was a Jack the Ripper or a. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde that kind of looked like that as well. Yeah, the, I was thinking Jekyll and Hyde too, but then when I saw the knife, I was like, oh, that's Jack the Ripper. Yeah, but I think they were playing fast and loose with some of this. But yeah, I think, yeah. But I'd love it if it, <laughs> if it was Austin Power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> yep, I'm going to kill you, baby. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's enough Austin Powers. I do not need to do that anymore, ever. <laughs> um, so, and then she gets trapped by all the statues. Um and you get that weird, to me, it look, I don't know if you're going to talk about, but the painting that the sisters trapped in here in St. Louis, Missouri, they used to have things called starving artist sales. And they were artists that like, they just needed money. And so they would sell their work, but they were never usually very good. Yeah. They kind of just painted anything, right? Yeah. And they weren't very, very good at it. And it looked <laughs> like a starving artist painting that someone did of her sister. <laughs> Didn't that remind you, like, looking at the background, it looked like something, like, she got caught in the realms where Cthulhu dwells because you see, like, tentacles and eyes and stuff like that. Yeah, but Cthulhu is done by, like, a freshman college (laughs) art major. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, uh, you know, so she's going to burn just like her parents did. 
Yeah, and so, so like the, the the painting catches on fire from the inside. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, so so she decides to make her third wish, and you had to be paying attention to this because it showed it earlier in the film. Uh, newspaper clippings. Uh, she wishes that Mickey Torelli hadn't been drinking on the job two days ago. And as I mentioned before, he was the one because of his inebriation on the job kind of messed up Mm -hmm. and caused the crate to fall and kill Ted Raimi. Mm -hmm. Set all these events into motion. Mm -hmm. So the stone reconnects, it glows red, the statue freezes the gin inside and he's sucked back in. And then Alex, I love says, wish you never met me. (laughs) And then she does that snap of her fingers. Oh, man, that's so terrible. Oh, and now we're back in time with Ted Raimi and the crate is lowered to safety. And there's Alex and Josh and Shannon and Nick are OK. And we get Alex flirting, flirting with Josh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they say, is it going to be dinner in a movie? And, and he- I put down. KFC and Deep Throat. KFC. The movie. The movie Deep Throat. The movie Deep Throat. Yeah. But he was, he didn't know what to make of it because like before he died, she was basically a cold fish. Right. Um, And so he's like, what the hell's gotten into you? Exactly. Yeah. And then I do like, we get to see the statue in full and it's just resting in place. And you hear the the gin, gin. I keep saying the gin. I'm so sorry. (laughs) We hear the gin laugh. Yep. And then- at the end, um, did after the credits rolled, or was it? Yeah, after the music stopped, it was like, careful what you wish for. And I have to give a shout out in the credits. There was Danny Hicks. So shout out to Danny Hicks, who worked on the film somewhere or other. I don't know who that is. I don't either, but he's got my last name. So oh, shout out okay. to him. <laughs> I was like, Danny Hicks. This is a person I don't know. So you're on your own, pal. Yes. Shout out to Danny Hicks. Yeah, so um, so that is Wishmaster. Uh, do you wish that we hadn't covered this? No, I thoroughly enjoy Wishmaster. I thought it was really fun, Rob. I'm glad you picked it. Yeah, I, when it gets to the second and onward, I wish I had not watched them. <laughs> but uh, for this one, I this was a good starting point. I mean. It was a load of fun. Yeah. Like, seriously, a load of fun. Um, when we didn't talk about this in the beginning, but when did you first watch this? Uh, I think when I first bought the Vestron set, I, uh, had watched it. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. I, I watched this on, I think I had listened to a podcast about it and I had never seen it before. So I watched it on probably like Netflix or something. And then I enjoyed the first one. So I bought the Vestron set. That's right. That's what I did. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to do this really quick. Mm -hmm. So the pharmacist from Phantasm was Reggie Bannister. That's the actor's name. Okay. Now, do you know who I'm talking about from Phantasm? He's the one who actually is bald on top, but he's got the ponytail. Yeah. And he's like the hunter of the the tall man, correct? Yeah. I love, I love Reggie. You want Reggie on your side. Yeah. Like he, know, he knows his stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like him a lot. We um, definitely have to put Phantasm on the list. Yeah. Now that we're breaking free from the restrictions of our um, decades. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. 
Um, and then if I'm not mistaken, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, our 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 homeless person um was George Buck Flower, if I'm not mistaken, um, was the one who condemned uh Reggie to cancer very quickly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't find him on here. Who, George? Yeah, Wishmaster. Yep, homeless man. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay. Um, I just am looking at IMDb and this is great. Um, so we brought up Austin Powers and Vern Troyer played mini me in Austin Powers, but he was also oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the miniature gin in like before he got to full size. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now he, he has passed away. Is that correct? Yes. I, I thought so. Yeah. I can't remember when, but he, he's been gone for a few years, I believe. Probably if you click on his name, it should tell you, I believe. Oh, okay. He died uh, April 21st, 2018. 2018. Yeah, I knew it was not too, too long ago. And then our professor, really quick, because I feel bad about this. It's Jenny O'Hara. Um, was the uh, female professor, the folklore professor. She'll always be D. Wallace to me. Oh my gosh. And she was in Devil too. I love Devil. That M. Night Shalaman. Oh, I had seen that. Okay. Devil's good. Yeah. But anyway, so I don't want to spend forever on this. Now, would you recommend others uh, watching? This movie? Yes, I would. Yeah, I would too. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, just to me, the combination of the Pretty nifty special effects with all of the horror um, people involved. It's just really a kind of a cool movie to see, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And especially like like we talked about in the beginning, it's got basically almost every horror icon that you could ever wish for in one movie. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, just for that part alone. Correct. Correct, Amundo. But I really love this movie. I mean, I could yes. watch this over and over again. It was a lot of fun. Um, now, if I was going to make a wish for the movie, it would have male nudity. <laughs> it doesn't have any nudity, though. It doesn't have any nudity. No, none whatsoever. And, and Or sex. Like, there's no sex, no nudity. It really is just for the gore and the language. And yeah. Stuff. Not language. Gore and uh, violence. Well, you get... Um Let's see, you get Andrew Divoff dropping a few F-bombs throughout the throughout the film. Oh, yeah. No, but I meant, like, I, no, I, I, it's the gore and violence. I, I was just saying that's what, it's not like a sexual thing. It's, oh, yeah. Which is surprising because in, like, sex has been a part of almost every horror film in some form or fashion. Yeah. Even a lot of times, I think it's just a cheap way to get people into seats or mm. to get that R rating sometimes. Yep. Yeah. So kudos to Wishmaster for not uh, going that route. <laughs> Just going straight up gore. Right. Unless they wanted male nudity for some reason. <laughs> if you want to get a hold of us, I am always lurking on Instagram um, at Midnight Mass Creature Cast. And I appreciate all those people who have been kind enough to follow and, and interact with me. I do appreciate that. Yes. Thank you for following the podcast on Instagram. And if you're just following and not listening, maybe you should give it a listen. Yes, please do. <laughs>
I actually think the people that are following, the majority of them are actually listening, I think. Oh, I that's like good. Them. Yeah. I hope so. Yes. And if they want to get in uh, touch with us otherwise. Right. You could send us an email at mmccpod at gmail.com. And thank you for joining us because as always, the more the scarier. And until next week, stay spooky. Stay spooky.